stuff. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who, you know, were raped or were sexually abused or some traumatic experiences like most of us have had. And that stuff gets healed and quickly. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm, you know, with all due respect to psychotherapy in the, in the right hands with clear intentions and goals, it can be profoundly supportive and transformational. Welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast, where we talk about taking messy action, knowing that perfect is boring. I'm Leslie Logan, Pilates instructor and fitness business coach. I've trained thousands of people around the world. And the number one thing I see stopping people from achieving anything is self-doubt. My friends, action brings clarity. And it's the antidote to fear. Each week, my guests will bring bold, executable, intrinsic, and targeted steps that you can use to put yourself first and be it till you see it. It's a practice, not a perfect. Let's get started. All right, be a babe, get ready. This is one of the most unique, genuine, eye-opening, mindful, blessed episodes. Just going to say it all right now. Um, Christian De La Huerta is our guest, and he is an incredible author and just, I mean, world-renowned person who's going to help you with your mindfulness. And I'm just really honored that we got to have him. Um, It was a journey for us both. We both had a little scheduling thing. And, you know, when those things happen, I was like, oh, gosh, I like hate canceling or I hate, um, like, he had to reschedule the whole thing. It's like all these things. And also the best thing that happened is when this interview happened, because it was the best day for this interview to happen. And when you're hearing it is the best day for you to hear it. It's coming to you when you are ready to hear it. And I think that's really important because I think we can be really hard on ourselves going, oh, gosh, I wish I should have learned that sooner. I should have done that sooner. Oh, my gosh, if only I'd known this sooner. Your ears and mind are ready to hear it today. And we're talking about um, healthy sources of power and finding your own and being more mindful. And oh my goodness, when you figure out the story of the ego, my mind was blown. So lots of good stuff in this episode. So here is Christian De La Huerta. loves it's here opc summer camp you know that thing we started last year well we're doing it again this year and we're making it bigger and better than ever because we have teachers from all over the world which means all day long you can nerd out with me at camp zoom from the comfort of your own home in your favorite pilates workout outfit without having to get bugs or dirt or weird camp food that's like some weird slot no you can have the amazing food from your own home you can be whatever clothes you want to be in and you can join us all day long for whatever workouts and workshops you sign up for in fact you can even do a whole day pass and save the most money in fact, up to 56% off if you buy the day pass. So go to opc.me slash events to see the full schedule and lineup of events. If you only have access to a mat, we've got plenty of stuff for you. We've got Reformer. We've got some happy hip Reformer with you. We've got so many amazing things. You can go to opc.me slash events to see the whole schedule, all 14 teachers, and all the goodness that's going to happen at Camp Zoom. And I'm your camp director. Woo! All right. I have an incredible, incredible guest today. I'm really excited. I think we're going to learn so much about ourselves and this world. And our guest today is Christian De La Huerta. And I am so excited to have him on the show. Finally, it's been a long time coming. So Christian, can you tell everyone who you are and what you rock at? Hey, Leslie, I'm so happy to be here with you. It has been a long time growing. <laughs> um, well, I've been doing Life coaching, executive coaching, retreats, uh, you know, from a psycho spiritual perspective for over 30 years now. Um, I'm, I was born in Cuba. I was raised in the U.S. as I was 10. 
So have you to share that immigrant experience and probably the, the, the healing modality that I use most within my work, in addition to the cognitive, you know, personal transformational aspect of the work, I use breath work as mm -hmm. a healing modality, which is incredibly powerful and mm -hmm. works very effectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I I know that well. Um, over the pandemic, I finally was able to like dive in and and get my own training into that because I I loved it so much. I'm kind of like, oh, once I love something, I'm gonna go learn it. Um, because <laughs> I like That's to know all the I like to know all the ins and outs of how it works. Um, my goodness, thirty years of coaching people in that way that you don't look old enough to do that. <laughs> I guess I want to <laughs> know like how you got started in doing that thirty years ago because I feel like you know you may have been too young to have the life experiences to do that, but maybe you don't need that. So how are you, how did you get started and, and, and what led you to breath work? Well, I'm actually older than I look, chronologically, <laughs> which I think is the testament to the breath work actually. And, and to, you know, meditation and having inner peace and being able to look at yourself in the mirror and smile at the end of the day um, and to sleep. Well, I think that says a lot for, mm -hmm. for the quality of life and, and how we age. You know, I was, I come out of the psychotherapy tradition. My, my dad was a psychiatrist. I, I was going for a PhD, my degrees in psychology until I had my first breathwork experience. And then Leslie, I jumped tracks. Mm. I was so just blown away by it that I had to do it again and I had to make it available to others. And, and I've, you know, been all over the world, um, sharing this practice with countless people. Yeah. Yeah. And and it just works, you know, it works fast. I haven't really studied breath work, like the, the, a lot of studies that have done on meditation and what's happening in the brain when we meditate. Um, I'm sure it's a very similar process for breath work, but they're just now starting to research it. What, 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 how does it work exactly? Yeah. Um, but I think it's ultimately a mystery, but I can't argue with the results. It works yeah. and it has permanent effects and it heals. I don't know anything more effective in terms of healing past trauma. And I'm talking serious stuff. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who, you know, were raped or were sexually abused or some traumatic experiences like most of us have had. And that stuff gets healed and quickly. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm, you know, with all due respect to psychotherapy in the, in the right hands with clear intentions and goals, it can be profoundly supportive and transformational. And, you know, we all know that you can sit on somebody's couch for, for 10, 20, 30 years rehashing the same old crap and nothing really happens. Yeah. And, and the reason for that is, you know, that, that trauma no longer lives in the mind. It's, it's descended into the body and has been somaticized. So it's, it's in the cellular and the tissues of the body. So no amount of talking at it isn't going to really get to it. Um, so breath work, like a, a couple of other practices, bypasses the mind and it goes to the source of the trauma in the body and it clears it. And, mm -hmm. and amazing, amazing things happen. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. Um, you know, uh, I I came across, I did breath work, you know, in some different yoga classes where people were trained, but I never really like knew all the things about it. Like it wasn't a practice of mine. And then I had a girlfriend because I'm as a plies instructor, one of the girls. Um, so Joseph Plies is very big on breath. He actually has a quote in his book, above all else, learn how to breathe. Most people, <laughs> their lungs are a cemetery for disease. 
because they're not actually exhaling. He was like very big on like, you've got to get the air out. And it was very big on his breath. And so if you actually look at the plyes exercises, very few of them ever hold the breath. Most of them are about moving the breath out. And he had like a breath assizer. It's just very big on it. So Ploy is interested in this one girl in this uh, class I was taking. She brought up, you know, the book Breathe, which I'm sure you've heard of a million times and, and more. But like she brought up and how like our facial bones continue to change in our life. And I was like, hold on, what do you mean they continue to change? So I got really <laughs> interested in like reading the book. And what I discovered in that book is what you just said. Like there's still not a lot of information known about why it works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. like the you know, people were doing amazing things and they're like, oh, that person's not a doctor. We're not going to pay attention to what they're doing. And I think that's a, a shame for a lot of things in this, you know, a lot of the tools that work out there because the people creating them were not doctors. We don't look at them. So I find it really interesting for the person who's listening, who's like, you guys keep bringing up breath work. What is it? And how, like, what are the benefits? Can we just like take a one-on-one level on that? Can you explain to people like what, when you talk about breath work, what it is? Sure. I mean, we, we, and we should acknowledge that breathwork is a very large umbrella term, mm-hmm. right? So under there, we can find the type of breathing techniques and practices that you do at the end of yoga class. And, and there's a lot of different them. You know, there's a lot of breathing practices for relaxation, to sleep better, for stress reduction. There are other, other breathing techniques that if you want to, you know, rather than reaching for the, for the coffee cup after lunch, if you do certain breathing practices, it energizes you and brings focus to your mind. The kind of breath work that, that we're talking about here, it's, it's longer. You breathe in a certain way, in a certain conscious, intentional, connected way for about an hour, an hour and a half. Some practices even go longer than that. And amazing things happen. Just like not only does it heal in all, the, all those ways that we were talking about, but people have incredibly profound altered state of consciousness, mm-hmm. like often. I'll hear people, you know, from people who come breathe with me, that they got to the same place that they did on a, on a sacred plant medicine journey. Um, and I think part of what's happening in both of those modalities, whether we're used to talking about the breath or, or those other kind of more shamanic experiences, is that we're popping out of the, the limited ego mind, you know, that, that sense of personal identity. Um, you know, like, the, the, this is Christian, that's Leslie, which is ultimately illusion it's it's not real but it's both a helpful illusion and the source of all our pain and suffering um and once we pop out of that little limited perspective then we have what we you know we call magic miracles because we like the terminology for it like a great metaphor to think about it a great visual if, if you put a baseball in the center of a stadium that's what the ego mind is mm. who we are is actually the stadium and we've allowed this tiny, tiny, tiny part of who we are to think that it is all who we are and to make really important, significant, consequential choices about our lives, about our relationships from its very small, limited, and always fear-based perspective. So for anybody who's on a journey of, of awakening or remembering or empowerment, first step, as far as I'm concerned, is understanding how the ego mind works. Mm. That is so I've never had anyone describe it as like the ego is the ball in a stadium and we are the stadium. Like that's freaking powerful to think about. Like we're so much bigger than we give ourselves credit for. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Yes. We're like playing so small and like we're just now beginning to, to explore the potential of the human mind. 
Mm-hmm. It, it is so powerful. I mean, and, and so many studies of just even the power of visualization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, one that I was re- looking up the other day, they compared a, two different groups, you know, same kind of comparable groups in terms of who, what, who made up the group. One group went to the gym and had this particular routine that they did for X period of time. The second group did the same routine, except they only visualized it. They sat at home and they did this whole routine in their mind. After the, you know, whatever the, the, the length of period it was, the, the gym goers, I think they had like a 30% increase in, in muscle mass. The people who just visualized it had a 17% increase in, in body mass, almost half. Yeah. The result just from using the mind. Yeah. The power of the mind is just amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, I, you made me think of the story. I can't remember which book I read it in, but like there was a prisoner of war in Vietnam and they, you know, every single day they pictured themselves doing 18 holes at the golf course back home. Like that was like how they kind of like spent their day to like distract themselves from being in this prison camp and they're not being fed all the, like there's not being protein, they're deconditioned. Anyways, he finally gets out, he gets home to the States and his friend's like, what do you want to do? And he's like, I want to go play a round of golf. And they're like 18 holes. You've been in prison for over a year. Like you haven't, there's no way you have the stamina. And he had visualized doing a par on every single hole. And sure enough, he did it because like his brain had like memorized it so much. It's like such a powerful thing. And we, I find like we let our mind just wander and let it say a bunch of things about to ourselves that aren't even true. Like we're, (laughs) Uh I find that people don't, um, either they think visualization is frivolous and then they should be doing something else. So like, what are some steps that people should be thinking about when they visualize? Because I I think that that's actually, it seems so simple and also so difficult for us. Well, and the thing, the thing that you just pointed to, I mean, not only are we wasting our, our potential in terms of what we think about, but it's worse than that. You know, we do, we do such a number on ourselves with all the negative self-talk. We feed the self-doubt. Um, we feed all of our worst. I mean, the things we tell ourselves mm. inside of our heads, we would never say to anybody else. That, and that's also part of understanding what the ego mind is, because that is the function of the ego mind. That's, that's where that that inner judge, that harsh inner judge, it is the ego mind. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole other layer of, of understanding. And so first step is becoming aware, right? So paying attention to our thoughts and, and, what's, and, and what we're doing to become more mindful um, about what we're thinking about because we really, our minds have really limitless potential and we're not only wasting it, but using it for negative purposes. What I call the self-inflicted mind F bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and so to me that would be step one, right? To become aware of what we're doing. Because the thing is that we're going through our lives and we don't even know why we do the things we do. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't examined our belief systems. We've just taken things for granted because that that's the way our parents did them and their parents before them and their parents before that. Mm-hmm. But we haven't really stopped to question for the most part. You know, why we believe the things we do and why we do the things we do and why we get triggered. And mm-hmm. why do certain people trigger us and others don't? Mm-hmm. Certain situations. So if we want, if we're on a journey of personal empowerment, that those are like great beginning steps. Yeah. Right? Like start paying attention. Yeah. Um, and even if you like set your, you know, set your timer for the hour, you know, like it goes off on the hour, it takes 10 seconds. What am I thinking about? What am I feeling? What kind of emotions are coursing through my body? Just do like a, a mini check-in. 
just you do that on the hour, it, you become so much more self-aware. And then what that buys us is the ability to choose. Yeah. Rather than going through life, just reacting to stuff that we're not even conscious of. Yeah. You, oh my goodness. First of all, this is hilarious. While I was in, um, while I was in Cambodia, I was doing some journaling and I, one of the questions is like, you know, prompt yourself, like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? And I was like, okay, I'm just going to put a little reminder in my phone and I'm just going to like, let this time scroll. So it just comes off at a random time. Like I'm just like that time. So I'm not expecting it. Right. And today it came up and it was like, what are you thinking about right now? And I was like, right now I'm thinking I'm really tired. I'm like, oh, I'm really tired. Oh, I should just take a nap, you know? You know, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go do that. It was the best thing I ever did for myself. Like, <laughs> and I think it's so funny because like, yeah. I probably would have just gone the whole day going, oh, this is a long day. I'm having a really, you know, like I wouldn't have just like, so ha- it seems so simple, yeah. but we need it until it becomes a practice until it becomes something that we exactly. do naturally. Well, and not only that, but I mean, we, not only you, but you may have gone through the whole day, like feeling bad. And then the mind comes in and tries to add meaning to it. <laughs> What's going on with me? Well, it must be because I hate my job or it must be because this relationship, what's wrong with it, right? And then we get we get lost in those stories that we are making up in our minds. Yeah. And it stresses us out, which causes health problems. <laughs> it's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. That is a great, that is a great first step that we could all take simple, y'all, and probably something you're like, it should be harder than that. No, it can be, it can be easier. We don't have to make everything so difficult. I have a question for you, Christian. You said your dad's a psychotherapist and like I'm stuck on a little bit like how did your parents take it when you're like, I'm quitting school and I'm going to teach breath. Like I just kind of, and the the reason this comes up for me is that, you know, a lot of uh, people who listen to the show, they have these big aspirations, they have these dreams that they want to do, but they're afraid of letting people down around them or they're afraid of like what people will say or judge them for. And I guess I just wonder, like, I'm curious. If like your family was super supportive of you and the, and the change you want to make, because people who go to college and their parents who went to college probably want their kids to. So like, how did they take that? Yeah. I mean, I did, I did complete my four years. My okay. You did it. <laughs> I just didn't go to the, you know, grad school, didn't pursue mm. the PhD. Mm. And, and in that sense, my dad was great. My, and both my parents were great. They just really wanted us all to be, be happy. They had a more difficult, challenging time <laughs> with me exploring um, you know, spirituality beyond the confines and definitions of Catholicism, mm. uh, because they came from that religion in which, you know, they were taught that that is the one and only true path. And so that was a little bit more challenging for them. But, they, you know, then they started to see the, the result. You know, they looked in my eyes and they saw that the, they saw good there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they saw the things that I was doing in, in, in the world were good things and making a difference in, in real human lives. Mm. So they came around. They came around to that. But I think you're pointing to a really, really, really important point, which is how often and how frequently all of us have given our power away mm-hmm. because of that fear of what somebody else was gonna was gonna think, or or because of of even the unexamined expectations or the assumptions that we make before even having the conversation with them. We just assume that we know how they're gonna respond, so we internalize it and then we react. So, so as to avoid conflict and like, oh my God, and the waste of human potential is tragic, tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you said um, assumptions, like it's kind of funny how we would like, a lot of people will make decisions based on what they think someone's going to say. Exactly. And 
And then really, because our mind goes and wanders, we create a whole story and then we get angry with them about a conversation they never had. And then we avoid them or they trigger us and they're just like, hey, and it's like, yeah. And, exactly. you, and you're like resenting them because you made a whole life decision based on what you think that they would have said and they never said it yet. So <laughs> it's so exactly. funny. Exactly. Talk about tragic mm-hmm. and messed up. It's, it's messed up. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and that connects to power. And, and how, how many times have we given our power away? Mm-hmm. How many times have we said yes when inside? We really felt no. We really mm-hmm. didn't want to do it or it really wasn't okay with us. Mm-hmm. But just for... Or, or, you know, we override our, our beliefs, our, our values, our preferences, our dreams, um, and we settle. Mm-hmm. We settle for an illusion of security, for a false sense of security, and we settle for crumbs mm-hmm. of pseudo-love. And, and it's all happening inside of our heads. It's all made up inside of our heads. Yeah. It's, it's really tragic. So I guess then... For the person who like has this now as a ingrained habit, they live their lives like, and it's not just one person. It's like most people, you know, live their lives just with these assumptions and and giving their power away. It can feel like climbing a mountain to like get your power back. Like what is, what is the step? Is it just going back to the awareness or like, how do we actually, is it saying no when you mean no? Like what is, (laughs) what is something people can practice to like feel like they're actually taking control and being and bringing their power back to them? All of that. And by the way, that's, I mean, I would say, go get my book, right? Yes. Get it on Amazon, Awakening the Soul of Power, and it'll walk you through it. Mm. It'll walk you through the whole process of understanding the ego mind and why we do the things we do. And, and it'll give you a different perspective, a different way of how to look at power. Because that's part of, that's part of the problem. You know, we've been conditioned to believe that power is a negative thing. And, and you know, it's, when, and, and then on top of that, with, with phrases like, you know, power corrupts mm-hmm. and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And who wants to be corrupted? Mm-hmm. And then on then top of that, we've, how many of us have witnessed abuses of power? So we tend to associate power with abuse of power and good people don't want to do that. We don't want to abuse power and cause harm. And, and then we've also been taught mistakenly that the emotions are weakness. We, especially men, you know, little boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many faulty assumptions that go with that. You know, first of all, why don't little boy cries? Why? Because only little girls cry because the feminine is weakness, right? Somebody along the way decided that the feminine is weakness. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute. That is so wrong. So not true. If you want to talk power, courage, resilience, let's talk about the power of creation that exists in a, in a female body. Mm-hmm. It's like, seriously. Yeah. And to lighten things up a little bit, Betty White, you know, who left us last year was, she was being interviewed. The story goes, she was being interviewed in one of those multiple celebrity group interviews. And somebody said something about having balls. And she goes, wait just a minute. Where do we get this association of courage and strength with balls? You thump those little things and the guy collapses, bends over in pain. (laughs) You want to talk courage and strength and power let's talk vaginas those things take a pounding (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i love betty white so much that is the best (laughs) but but seriously right so that's one faulty assumption and then the uh, that the emotions are weakness wait a minute they're not weakness they're not strength either they're just energy Mm-hmm. So what happens when you put all that together into the mix, all those beliefs, you know, it's the beliefs about power, the conditioning, 
that's the reason that we end up overriding our, our true desires and preferences and we end up settling. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we hate conflict. We avoid confrontation. So what the, for, for somebody who's on this journey of wanting to reclaim their power, mm-hmm. the fir- there are a couple of first steps. You know, First of all, understand power, right? Understand your, your relationship to power and why you believe certain things about it. Mm-hmm. And then start paying attention. Right? In the same way that you put that little timer to see what kind of emotions you're having, or what kind of thoughts you're going through your mind, start noticing. Like start observing yourself, going through your life mindfully. And when you find yourself saying yes, and when you, and then when inside it really doesn't, it's not okay with you. Look at the situation. Why did I do that? Right? What was really going on there? Mm-hmm. What What did I fear? Was I fearing rejection? Did I fear that I was going to end up alone? Did I fear that I was going to rock the boat of a relationship too much? Mm-hmm. Was it what kind? What's what are my patterns? You know, do I tend to give my power away in personal, intimate, romantic relationships, or maybe is it with authority figures, mm-hmm. parental figures, bosses, coaches, uh, spiritual leaders, that kind of stuff? And and that's how we begin to see the patterns. Then we can begin to make choices yeah. accordingly. Rather than just doing things unconsciously because we haven't even noticed why we do the things we do. Yeah. I, that, the, the whole like notice why we do the things we do. It's really, you know, I've told this story before on the podcast. Um, but it like, in case anyone's new listening, you have to hear this. It's really hilarious. My husband's mom, she would make Thanksgiving turkey or the Christmas turkey and she would cut the top off the turkey she'd put in the oven and my husband was like, why do we cut the top of the turkey off? Like, why? And she put it in the pan. She's like, cut it off, put it in the pan, put it in the oven. And she's like, huh, I don't, I actually don't know. That's how my mom did it. Let me call her. She calls her mom. She's like, hey, mom, why do we cut the top of the turkey off? And she said, because my stove, my oven was too small for the t- <laughs> Oh my God, isn't that funny and, and tragic? And tragic, because that's really a good part of the turkey. That's just <laughs> Funny Anyways. and tragic, but it's a perfect example. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote you on that one. <laughs> it's a great story. It's so good. Please do. But Seriously. It's this funny thing. It's like, but what like we we go through and it's and it and I'm sure it starts with like when you're a kid, you brought up like little boys don't cry, but also like parents get tired of the questions kids ask. Little kids ask all the questions. Like we were born to ask questions, and somewhere along the way, someone's like, just do what I say. Don't like just do it. Like just, you know, That's like true. and I can picture my parents doing that. And so I just stopped asking questions because you uh you don't want to be made fun of in class because people laugh at you if you ask a stupid question. If you ask a question at home and your parents are tired, they are just exhausted. Like, just can you just do what I just go do it? You know, like, I don't know. And so you stop, you stop asking those questions and then it comes to you and you don't even know sometimes the questions to ask yourself. And so I know it sounds so simple. Like, what am I thinking right now? Or why does it, but those simple questions are like great, great questions to start with. I love them because it doesn't have to be complicated. Exactly. No, and that is so profound because then what the mind does, what the mind does, those little minds that just didn't know any better we personalize things, things that had nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. You're like maybe our parents were tired or overwhelmed or they just had a bad day and they were short or they said something that just burst out that they didn't really mean, but those little minds take it on as truth. Mm-hmm. And, and then we make up interpretations about it. Like there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I'm not worthy of love. Uh, I'm too much of this. I'm too, not enough of that. And then we live our lives from those misunderstandings. That's all they were. Yeah. And and that's tragic. 
because that gets in the way of every single relationship we've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're the first person to ever say tragic when it comes to that. And I think it's actually the best word because it is tragic that no matter what age you are, when you learn about like, oh, that I could ask myself these things. Oh, I've been giving my power away. It's you, there's still years lost. There's still experiences missed out on. There's, there's probably relationships that could have been had, not even romantic, yes. but just with family members we've avoided because we like, we like created a whole story around it. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. And the things, yeah, the, the missed opportunities, the things that we have not even attempted because we were, because we were afraid. Yeah. The fear of quote unquote failure. Mm-hmm. When, you know, from my perspective, there is no, no such thing. As long as we're learning from a, a project or something that didn't work out or even a relationship that didn't work out, it's, it's not a failure. As yeah. long as we learn from it or we're becoming better human beings from it, there is no such thing as a failed relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I had, um, you know, uh, some of my family got divorced for like the second time and they're like, oh, I'm just a failing at marriage. And I'm like, well, both one of them ran for like 22 years and one ran for 10 years. A lot of people would call those like long relationships. <laughs> Seriously. I <laughs> and think so, they are by anybody's definition. Yeah. And so like, I think like, you know, I don't, I wouldn't call it a failure, but I love that you said like, if you're learning from something, it's not a failure. And so as long as you take the time to like learn what, what, what was good from that, what, what, what did I, where did I change myself in that? Like just take some self perspective and also learn like, oh, I gave my power away there. Then you're right. It's actually just like a really great experience that we can like take with us to the next place. Yeah, exactly. Not necessarily a fun experience, <laughs> but if, if we're, if, if we're learning from it, then it's worth, well worth it to make, as long as we're not going to repeat the same mistakes. Yeah. Which often begin even before the get-go. Oh, like yeah. How often do we sabotage relationships before we even get started by attracting or falling for people who are not a match? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we're better. Doesn't mean we're worse. We're just not a match. We're in different places of life. We have different values, different dreams for life or whatever it may be. And, and we fall for people who are not available. Yeah. And 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 the tragic part of that is that our relationships don't even have a chance. And yeah. and that and that it, it all comes from that fear that doesn't even have a base on reality that it stems from those misunderstandings from childhood. Mhm. And yeah. so this this journey that we're talking about of becoming aware of why we do the things we do. Yeah, it takes work, no question. Yeah, it's not easy. You know, sometimes I even say it's a heroic journey mm. to, to ask ourselves why we do the things we do and to be able, be able to be willing to dive deep inside and face our own demons, our own fears, our, our own self-doubt. Uh, but it is so worth it because the reward for doing that is freedom. Mm-hmm. Like we get to choose everything mm-hmm. in our lives. We do. Um, my husband and I joke. If we we moved to LA the exact same year, so we moved 2007. Um, he moved from Philly. I moved. I was born and raised in California, so I just moved from a different city. But we're about two months apart. We literally worked within a block of each other many of those years, like just basically on the same street of of the city for four, for we met in 2013. So six years later, right? I think I can do the math. Um, and so uh, someone introduced us, and when we found out that we literally worked across the street from each other at that exact time for the last year. We'd never seen each other, never met, like just going through our lives. But 
as much as we are like, absolutely this great match. I'm so excited. We also know if we had met any point between 2007 and 2012, <laughs> we would have been like, who is this? Per- what a crazy, like we would never, we had to go through the relationship we went through before that and really examine like, what, who am I? Like, why did I choose the person that I was just with? That was not all right. Like we both went through this whole journey because of the ex that we had that allowed us to go, Oh, hi. <laughs> Uh, yes. And and also like the person I was when he met me was a totally, I was just like, no, I'm nope. You can't, no, I'm not going to hang out tonight. Like it wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to say yes. Cause like, I want someone to like me. It's like, no, I'm tired. Actually I'm tired tonight. So we're not, (laughs) you know? And so like, but it's so interesting how, you know, we, especially when it comes to relationships, we do fall for people who are unavailable or we try to become something we're not or we reason we make up reasons for oh it's okay that they said that and like I'll just it's I was being too much of this and we just tell ourselves these things and it's really about that self-examination that we have to go through and um I know I kind of want to go into like you have this amazing book what made you write it and you know what what are you hoping that people get from it that's a great question, and and you know I want to say first that I'm I'm an un- unlikely person to be so- to be speaking about and writing about personal empowerment. Mm. Like I know self doubt. Mm. Um, in fact, I know self hatred. Mm. My entire adolescence was one long depression with suicidal ideation and fantasies. Mm. And flash forward to today, and no matter what happens in my life, no matter the circumstances, whether a relationship works out or it doesn't whether a project succeeds or it fails, in quotes, never, ever, ever, ever do I question my sense of self. My Mm self-worth is unshakable. So I know if that can happen in me, it can happen in anybody. Mm. And and that's the kind of um, teaching and process that I share in this book. And and it's very, I I know how busy everybody is. And I know that less and less people read but, but I designed the book to make it very navigable, right? To make it easy to work with. So that the chapters are short and they have practices designed at the end of, you know, practices at the end of each chapter designed to help us integrate the concepts and the teachings. So that I love that about your book. I'm sorry to interrupt because too That's often right. I find a book and I'm like, okay, thank you for all this information. And like, I don't even know how to integrate it right now. And like I, too much information <laughs> Is exactly. too much information. Well, that's the point. Like, we don't need more information. We've got information overload. Mm-hmm. Like, our brains are like tapped out, mag- maxed out with all the information that's bombarding us d- all day long. And, and so, yeah, so, so those practices are designed to integrate the teachings so that we actually live from them and our lives get transformed. We don't need information. What we need is transformation. And that's what those teachings and, and those practices are help designed to do. Mm. Um, and what inspired it, you know, I think the original, interestingly, my the original the seed thought about that was my older sister. I'm one of nine kids in a large Catholic family. So further evidence that the, you know, the Catholic roulette is not very effective. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm just kidding. Maybe my parents did want to have a large family intentionally. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I'm really grateful for it. We're really close and really tight. And all of us within 12 years. So my mom was pretty much pregnant for 12 years. Um, <laughs> my older sister, I'm number two. The oldest is my sister who, as a kid, was a natural born leader. Mm. I mean, like not only was she boss around all nine of us, but the entire neighborhood, like all the kids <laughs> in the neighborhood. 
and, and not in a nasty way. Like she would just say, Hey, let's, let's go do that. And we would all say, yeah, let's go do that. And so we would just follow until she hit puberty. And then I don't know if somebody said something to her that little girls didn't behave that way or women didn't behave in that form or, but she kind of stuffed that natural leadership mm. and I never really understood it. So it's, I think it's in the, that was one of the initial thoughts because mm. the book is for everybody. Everybody struggles with issues around power. Yeah. But it has a particular dedication, focus on women's empowerment. And, mm. and it's not to, because I believe that the empowerment of women is the single most important thing that needs to happen in our world. Yeah. It's not to idealize women. It's not to put women up on a pedestal. Women also abuse power. Um, and it's not certainly not to give women more crap to clean up in this mess that we have all created here. It's because as a world, as a species, we have been working, we have been functioning so off balance, so yeah. off kilter, where it comes to this balance between the, the masculine and the feminine energies. Mm -hmm. And so I believe, I mean, I know, like when it's, it's even more than I believe, I know that when women are in 50% of power in this world, we're going to have a very different relationship to war and poverty, and hunger, and education, and mm -hmm. social justice, and how we treat the environment to all of it. Yeah. So for me, it's like a strategic approach. What is the one thing that I could focus on that will then impact all those areas? And that's what I land on. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I love all of that. And I think it's so, it's so needed. And I had um, Kelly Adami on um, talking about masculine and feminine energies, because we have them all. We like both exactly. males and females have both. But everyone's operating so much in masculine because I mean, when we were told, well, you, you have to climb up, you have to do these things, you have to break the ceiling. Everything is a masculine energy that they had to be. And they're like, okay, well, let me show you how I can be both. I can be a mom and I can work. And it's like all these things. And so, yeah, it's uh, everyone needs to explore that feminine energy more and also, you know, what positive good power can look like. And I think this is exciting. I'm excited. Um, we're going to take a brief break and people can find out where they can get your book. And also um, maybe follow you, listen to more of your amazing words. All right, loves, it's super important to me that supplements I take are of the highest quality. And that's why for three years, I've been drinking AG1. Unlike many supplement brands, AG1 is constantly searching for how to do things better. At 52 iterations of their formula and counting, their team is always trying to find better ways to source, test, and aim to find the best quality ingredients available. I love this so much, guys, because so many people think I have to get it right the first time, and they have done 52 different iterations. I freaking love that. So many people have asked me if AG1 is actually the real deal. I really do drink it, and trust me, there's a reason why I've been drinking it for so long. Quality for AG1 isn't just a buzzword. It's a commitment backed by expert-led scientific research, high-quality ingredients, industry-leading manufacturing, and rigorous testing. At each step of the process, AG1 goes above and beyond industry standards. I know I can trust what's in every scoop of AG1 because it's tested for 950 contaminants and banned substances while the industry standard typically only tests for 10. Holy moly. I know that like I'm a recovering overachiever over here, but I'm super glad AG1 isn't. Okay, so taking care of my health shouldn't be complicated and AG1 simplifies this by replacing multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. It's literally just one scoop. It's one scoop in one bottle of water. It's amazing. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop also includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. Y'all know I've had gut stuff, so that's why I've been doing it for so long. 
I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash be it. That's drinkag1.com slash B-E-I-T. Check it out. Okay, Christian, where do you hang out? Where is your book at? What? How can people work with you? Thanks for asking that, Leslie. The book is available wherever books are sold. So you can, you know, if you want to support your local bookstore, you can order it there, or you can get it on Amazon or some of the other you know, online books bookstores. In terms of reaching me, probably my website is the best way to do it. And from there, they can access my social media. The website is soulfulpower.com. S-O-U-L-F-U-L. Power, P-O-W-E-R.com. And for your audience, anybody who goes to my website and gets on my email list, and, and we all know how easy it is to click unsubscribe if it doesn't work for you. And I'm not going to take it personally if you do. Like I get how, how, you know, I get too much email too. So no worries if it doesn't support your path of, of empowerment and remembering and discovery. Um, but anybody who does get on my email list will send them a sample chapter from the book and one that speaks about what it means to live heroically, which you and I have kind of addressed it a little bit today. Some of the ways, what it means to live heroically in the 21st century. We'll send them a some of the power practices that we were talking about, and we'll send them a guided meditation that I created in the midst of the pandemic, to which is about how to move into a place of trust in a time of chaos. Mm, mm. Very needed. I love that. Thank you for that gift. That's wonderful. Um, and, and I mean, for the whole reason of just exploring it more, if it's like piqued your interest at all, you guys just explore it more because you can just unsubscribe if it doesn't hit the thing. It's so easy to do. Okay, Christian, you've given us a lot of amazing things. Um, but <laughs> You're good with the action items. Um, you So you understand I like people to have something they can take away. What is something that's bold, executable, intrinsic, or targeted that they can take to be it till they see it? What do you have for us? Yeah, you know what? I, I go back to the breath. Mm-hmm. The, if, you, if you deepen your relationship with the breath, it'll change your life. Mm-hmm. So, and, it, and you know, and it, doesn't have to be do, it doesn't even have to be like an hour-long breathwork session. But pay attention to your breath. Notice your breath. Put it on that timer, right? In the same time, the timer goes off every hour, whenever, whatever uh, mm-hmm. period of time you choose. Check your breath. Notice how deeply you're breathing. In addition, you're going to check your thoughts. What what kind of emotions are you having? Mm-hmm. And you're just observing it, right? It's about becoming more mindful, more attentive, more aware of what's going on with us. Mm-hmm. And notice your breath. Because the, the thing that happens is when we get upset, if you pay attention to that, we start headed in the direction of an argument. Or we start getting stressed out in traffic. The first thing we do is we stop breathing. Mm-hmm. And, and we start taking really, really shallow breaths. And that's what anchors those emotions in the body. Um, and then you have to come spend a you know, perfectly good evening or weekend retreat with me breathing to clear all, this, all those emotions <laughs> that, we're, that, that we're stuffing. Mm-hmm. Stop stuffing them. Right? <laughs> Feel that. And one of the ways to do that is keep breathing. So you start find find yourself stuff stuff in traffic, getting frustrated. Deepen your breath, slow down your breath. But it's and it's it's a habit we have to build, right? Because when the moment we're just in in, in the upset, 
Mm-hmm. So that's the, the purpose of doing the timer on your phone is because you, that's how you develop to practice. Mm-hmm. Take, you know, take a minute. It doesn't even have to take a minute, 30 seconds and breathe deeply for 30 mm-hmm. seconds. It will change your life if you do it consistently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are so right on. There's this one, the founder of uh, Soul Cycle. she said, because they, Tim Ferriss asked her, like, do you meditate? She's like, yes, for 11 seconds. And he's like, what? She's like, I have an 11 second meditation where I hit play and the guy goes, inhale, exhale. And that's, it's 11 seconds long. And she's like, I do that throughout the day whenever I need it. And it really helps like just bring the nervous system down. And like, I don't not saying that no one should meditate, but my goodness, if you think you're so busy, you can take 11 seconds to like take oh enough. Oh my God, you know? yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. If, if like, yeah, if you want to develop a meditation practice, great. But even if you do that, just that 11 second meditation, yeah, do it. It'll yeah. change your life. Yeah. Uh, Christian, you, this is so wonderful. I'm so grateful for this talk. Just uh, really enlightening and just eye-opening for us all. Um, thank you so much. Thank you for writing your book. You all go get it and um, make sure that you uh, let Christian and I know what your favorite takeaways were this episode. Share this with a friend. If you've got a friend who you're like, no, she's not, she's holding her breath all the time. She's like holding herself back from things. You know, you don't have to be the person that tells her that we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> with this, you know, we can sit for the podcast um, and, you know, let us know your greatest takeaways. Thank you, Christian, for being here. Thank you for your amazing book. And y'all until next time, be it till you see it. That's all I got for this episode of the be it till you see it podcast. One thing that would help both myself and future listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a review and follow or subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, make sure to introduce yourself over at the Be It Pod on Instagram. I would love to know more about you. Share this episode with whoever you think needs to hear it. Help us and others be it till you see it. Have an awesome day. Be It Till You See It is a production of the Bloom Podcast Network. It's written, filmed, and recorded by your host, Leslie Logan, and me, Brad Kroll. It is produced and edited by the Epic Team at Desenio. Our theme music is by Ali at Apex Production Music and our branding by designer and artist Gianfranco Chofi. Special thanks to Melissa Solomon for creating our visuals and Semena Velazquez for our transcriptions. Also to Angelina Herico for adding all the content to our website and finally to Meredith Crowell for keeping us all on point and on time. All right, my coffee lovers. I got something for you. And I know most of you are coffee lovers because if you're listening to this, you have lots of things you're doing and coffee is something that you are taking with you everywhere you go. In fact, I know the Plaza instructors around here are taking coffee, kombucha, tea, and water into every class that they take. So this one is amazing because this is Pure Cafe Bold. They have two options for you. They've got black coffee and then they've got a caramel coffee latte, which is amazing. And here's why it's amazing. It's pre-brewed. So it comes in this amazing little packet and you can actually just take the packet into your office, your work on a plane like we've been doing. And then you pour hot water in and boom, you've got coffee. And this coffee actually has some amazing stuff. It's not just regular coffee. This coffee supports your immune system. It boosts cognitive function, increases stamina, it reduces stress, and it has cordyceps. And what are cordyceps, you ask? Oh, that's right, Brad's here. Nature's powerful secret energizer, a rare species of fungi, cordyceps is renowned for its invigorating properties and centuries old use in traditional medicine packed with essential nutrients. This natural adaptogen boosts stamina and supports overall well-being. And seriously, it's actually super simple to make. Leslie and I have taken it 
camping. Yeah. I'll use it in the afternoon. We're taking it everywhere because I'm tired of conferences and different hotels having burnt coffee. It's a thousand times better than the terrible coffee that you get on an airplane. And the black coffee is like less than a dollar a packet. So it's like, it's really kind of amazing. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a big fan of the caramel myself. He the does caramel like has it. a little bit of, uh, of milk in it. So. It has some dairy, so my dairy-free peeps, you, you can't do the caramel, but you can do the black, right? Yeah, the black coffee is vegan, keto, gluten-free, non-GMO, nut-free, dairy-free, fat-free, and CGMP compliant. All right, so here's the deal. You need to go to beitpod.com slash coffee. B-E-I-T-P-O-D dot com slash coffee. And when you do that, you are going to be able to get some amazing coffee that we're loving. You can buy it as a one-time purchase, or you can actually get it as a subscription. There's even family packs. So if you know that you've got a lot of coffee drinkers in your household, this is amazing. And it's honestly cheaper than all the coffees we've been making at home. So we are so excited. I hope you are. Go to beatpod.com slash coffee. And, you know, cheers to you and I. Every morning, we'll be drinking the same coffee together. Woo!